Uh, before I begin, I want to thank Dr. Roth, of course, for the uh, uh, tremendous uh, use of his beautiful shul, I must say. Uh, it's a Kiddush Hashem, actually, to give a shi'a in the shul, you know. <clears throat> Tonight, obviously, is a very special day. It's the Yotzeit of Rav Moshe Hashem Ramchal, as he is known, uh, just a couple of words, was an unusual person. Most people, they specialize in one area. Uh, they're tremendous in Gemara, or you know, some, some people, Halacha, or Drush. Ramchal was called a Chochma Koilel. He's astounding. He, he was a Chochm that Koilel, which means um, possessed enormous amount, a tremendous range of, of uh, Chochmah. I mean, he wrote, I mean, everybody knows him as the Mesilah Sisharam, which is the classic uh, on Musa. Actually, it's not so much Musa. I would call it Avoida. If somebody wants to be an Oyved, really an Oyved, that's the guidebook, which is an amazing guidebook. We know what the Goin says in the first nine, nine, nine uh, chapters. There is not an extra word in the first nine chapters. That doesn't mean there's extra words in the rest. It probably mean, could mean two or three extra words. Anyway, uh, but Ramchal is, was incredible in Hashkofa. Hashkofa, of course, is uh, Jewish, I hate to use the word philosophy, Jewish machshova, it's all about the divine plan of creation. And uh, he, was, uh, he was just, uh, just incredible to his understanding. Uh, in fact, the Sefer, Das Tfunus, they just translated that into English, by the way. And uh, it's probably, in terms of what it reveals about the Bria, it's one of the greatest form ever written in Hashkafa. <coughs> Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Uh, it's an incredible safe in terms of what his Megala reveals. Uh, then you had the Der Hashem and so on. Then, of course, he was one of the greatest Mikubolim of the last 500 years. Um, Ramchal was just astounding. He had a Magid, for those who are not familiar with his history, biography. He had a Magid which means he used to have a, a, a malach that used to come to him and teach him, just like the Beis Yosef had a Magid. He wrote a whole sefer called the Magid Mesharim. Uh, the Ramchal had a Magid too, um, and he writes uh, a whole, uh, how he got the Magid and so on. But he had a Magid. He also wrote poetry. He wrote a, he wrote, he wrote a sefer on Digduk, Hebrew grammar, poetry, linguistic style, logic, methodology. Uh, he wrote a second Zoya. You believe it, uh, man, for uh, 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 a second Zoya, he wrote a, a commentary on Kohelis, a thousand pages. Now, there, there's a lot of stuff that we, we didn't, it's not that we lost it, but uh, he, had, he had a real rough time uh, in his life. Uh, there's reasons for it and all that, but, so they took a lot of his stuff and they buried it into a chest, and it's somewhere in Frankfurt, probably under some high rise somewhere. Uh, if somebody could find it, it'd be way, worth its weight in gold. Uh, you know, um, uh, so that's that's the reason why we don't have a lot of his material, but we do have a lot of stuff from him. And whatever you see, uh, he was unique in one way: uh, his ability to look at information and organize it is astounding. He was way he um, was way ahead of his time in terms of his uh, knowing, his uh, promoting the fact that information, knowledge, Torah, whatever, has to be organized. It cannot be fragmented, which is the way most people learn. And I maintain that's why most people don't remember anything, because it's all fragmented. 
uh, but he maintained, and he, and he writes his works that way, that this is really the only way to learn, and to that end, he wrote Sefer Goyen, Derech Tfunas, Sefer Amlitza, a lot of different Tzvarim, uh, uh, just on method, on how to learn. So uh, Ramchal was a highly unusual person. Um, I hate to call him a true Renaissance man, that sounds like it's very secular, but he was. He was a true Renaissance man in the Jewish tradition. Let's, let's just uh, say that and so on. Uh, but he was very obviously a very great man. Uh, I owe him uh, everything because uh, he's my Rebbe. Uh, look, if, Bres- if, if people can have Breslov, I can have Ramchal. <laughs> so it's not that unusual, right? Um, and um, uh, so therefore, uh, my, my way of thinking, uh, I, you know, he just... Uh, he has made an enorm- enormous contribution in my life. Uh, because of that, I give shoot all over the world on Ramchal. And one of the things that I have taken upon myself, which I have done, uh, is I give every Yod site, uh, which is, of course, Chovvav Iyo, Yisoi Chibi Yisoi, which is tonight. I don't want to say the uh, yet, because we didn't do the Sphere yet. But um, uh, his Yod site, uh, so I make a Suda and I give a Shia. I've done it for 33 years, long time. And today, this is the 34th year that I'm doing it. Uh, God willing, I should do it for another 80 years. Amen. Any case, uh, so, and that's uh, the least I can do for a person that I consider my major influence in my life. Any case, uh, so that's who the Ramchal is. Uh, he died on something which is very appropriate, Yisrael which of course is foundation of the foundation. I mean, if there's a foundation, then the foundation has itself a foundation, right? So what he did was obviously uh, a tremendous thing. Uh, I could say, speak more about the Ramchal, but um, one of the reasons why the Ramchal was so great is that uh, many, many, there are many G'daylam. There are many great G'daylam. You know, whether it be about Russia, whatever. But one of the unique things about the Ramchal, which he writes himself in one of his Igras, that he was part of the transmission of Kabbalah. You know, there's a G'doylem who are in and of themselves, but then there's those G'doylem that Judaism, Jews need to transmit a uh, Torah from one generation to the other. That's rare. Uh, and Ramchal was one of those people. Uh, he was able to transmit uh, uh, the Kabbalah especially, and of course the other material, mm-hmm. and the Hashkof and so on. Uh, which was in many ways, uh, without him, what, what would we know? And therefore, he's a transmission guru. It's highly unusual. Anyway, uh, so that, that's what brings us here tonight. And what I'd like to do is, uh, the topic for tonight is a very, uh, actually, it's a very strange topic. It's the Pneumus of Shabbos. So you can look at me and say, Pneumus of Shabbos, come on, I do this every week. Right? We do Shabbos every week. What are you going to tell me that I don't know? Right? That's the obvious question. You do it every week. It's not like I can't inform you, but I'm, I, ho- I hope that I'm going to surprise you that when I get finished at the end of this year, and, uh, and of course, hopefully everybody will be here, you will be shocked to know that, as far as I'm concerned, probably hardly anybody knows the Pneumus of Shabbos, as I will show you. Okay? So... And that's one thing. The second thing is that if the Ramchal presents something, it's like a symphony. You know, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a summation. Like a, just like a, it's it's an entire binyan, as they say. It's not one little bot idea. It's all binyan. 
If he was giving the Shia on Shabbos, he would make a minion. He wouldn't tell you what Shabbos is holy, Shabbos is this, Shabbos is that. No. He would ask a series of questions, okay, and then he would bring down the principles. Based on those principles, every question that he asked would be answered by one foundational concept. That's astounding to be able to do that, you know. So um, I'm going to try to replicate that, to duplicate that, and I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'm not going to answer it individually. I'm going to answer with the fundamental structure of the entire Shabbos, as we will see, and that will answer every question I ask, uh, that I ask. So that's quite a challenge, which I certainly hope to live up to. Okay, now that we have that, Would somebody else be able to give me the soda and a cup? Uh, not a cup, just a soda. Thank you. Because I'm going to need more than one. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. If you count them, there are 15 questions I'm going to ask about Shabbos. And I'm going to try to answer them with one understanding of Shabbos. And by the way, this kind of method is called tiferes, beauty. Beauty is when you blend, you integrate many, many different things that seem to be fragments, and you integrate it into one idea. That's what I'm going to try to do. First question, Kedusha Shabbos, what does that mean? What does Kedusha mean? I mean, we know the translation, the holiness of Shabbos. What does holiness of Shabbos mean? Well, you know, if you, if, you, if you ever ask yourself, what exactly does holiness mean? Kedusha. So my first question is, what precisely is the meaning of Kedusha's Shabbos? Second question, why is Shabbos the greatest moed? There's a lot of Ganyu Kippur, I mean, there's a lot of uh, tremendous Moadim, Roshana, Pesach, Geula, and so on, you know? But we know Shabbos is the greatest of them all. We know that even just by looking at the Oynish. By Shabbos, you have the Oynish's chorus and Skila, Misa. The other one, the Yontif, it's a love. And there's no question that Shabbos is the greatest of the Moadim. Why? It's a fundamental question. What makes it so great? Next idea. There are an entire bunch of halachas. One, Kiddush. We make Kiddush. What do we make Kiddush for? Havdola. What is Havdola really all about? Then we have Oynik Shabbos and Kofit Shabbos. Oynik means to enjoy Shabbos. You have to put out your best food, right? Shalom, Kogel, etc., right? Um, that's Oynik Shabbos. Kofit Shabbos is, of course, you put out your best linen, right? Silverware. What does this all mean that you have to have Oynik and Kofit? Why? That is the question. Then we have what's called Hadlokas Neros. Why do we Madlik Neros? Nice, you know, but what, what is, is there a panemius to this nair, the hadloka that we do for Shabbos? Then we get into more uh, what's called um, mystical, esoteric ideas. The Nishami Yisera, right? So in Nishami Yisera, you know, there's a, 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 a whatever you call Yisera, is a, an added Nishama. What is that supposed to mean? What do you mean, an added Nishama? I thought we only have one Nishama. You mean the guys walking around? That, that have multiple neshamas? Is that what it is? You know? 
What does it mean that Nishomi is Sarah? And, and not only that, why do we need it for Shabbos? What do we need it for? I mean, you don't find that by Yontif, although maybe it's Machoikas. But what is this Indian of Nishomi is Sarah that you need to have? Is this a luxury item? Is this a necessity item? Like, what is it and why? That is the question. Then we have an expression called Me'enu Ilim Habo. Shabbos like Oilim Habo. You don't have that by Yontif. Why Shabbos like Oilim Habo? What is Oilim Habo? Even better question. So, uh, and the, so you know, and, and there's certainly a question of why is it like Oilim Habo? It's a very valid question. Then we have one of the most difficult things of all, Ilam Ates Melochas. There are 39 categories of activity, right, labor, whatever you want to call it, that are forbidden to do on Shabbos. And they themselves have each, uh, there are Lamentes Melochas, 39 Melochas, right? And we know that each one really is an of, and they each one has 39 categories, subcategories. So imagine there's 1,560 Melochas that are us on Shabbos, theoretically, right? 39 categories. Each one has 39 subcategories plus itself. So that's 39 times 40 is 1,560. That's a lot of prohibitions. Why? Why do we find this in Shabbos? So we have that as a question. Uh, then we have the question that Shabbos is a day. Notice that? It's a day. It's the seventh day of the week. How come everything in the Jewish calendar is a date? Right? All the umtoyim, everything is a date. Only Shabbos is a day. In fact, the fact that the world observes the seventh day, everybody observes it, is one of the nisim. It's a, the, the Kuzari brings it down as one of the proofs that the Bershom gave Shabbos because everybody observes Saturday, right, as Shabbos. So the question is, why is Shabbos a day as opposed to a date? Everything else is a date. Then we have the concept called, what's the difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov, really? What is the differentiating concept? between a Shabbos and a Yontif, because really they're basically very similar. There is a difference, however, we know, in terms of uh, that Shabbos, as I said, is Chayv Misa, chorus if you transgress, over. whereas Yontif, it's a love. So the question is, why does it have that difference? Then we know that in Yontif, you have a head of Eichel Nefesh, means those Malachas which contribute to making food, right? Our Muta on Yontif, whereas in Shabbos, it's also. Why? And then we have an interesting Chazal. Chazal say, and it's really fascinating, Chazal say that um, the Rabbanishim said to Moshe Rabbeinu, go and tell Klai Yisrael that I have a matona, a gift, in my storehouse. That's what the Rabbanishim says, Moshe. What's the, what is this gift? Shabbos Shemur. The name of the gift is Shabbos. That's strange, isn't it? If Shabbos is a matana, then all the mitzvahs are matana, aren't they? What's the difference? Shabbos is a mitzvah, right? Everything is a mitzvah. So why is Shabbos called a matana? Why is Shabbos singled out to be a matana, right? Then everything should be a matana. If everything else is a mitzvah, then Shabbos is a mitzvah. So what exactly does that, does that chazal mean? And not only that, why base Tzorah? What do you mean it's... It's, it's locked up in my storehouse, and I'm going to give it to Klai Yisrael. What, what do you mean locked up in a storehouse? What storehouse? You know, and why every mitzvah should be locked up in a storehouse? Like, how do we understand this chazal? There you are. For those counting, we have 15 questions. 
that seriously needed answer. What is interesting about Chazal is that there's always one Chazal that is contained a secret of some Indian. The problem is you don't see it. So what we need to do is look for the Chazal, right, that in it is contained a secret of Shabbos. Even though when you look at it, L'Chathchila means superficially, it doesn't seem so. What is that Chazal? And you know what that Chazal is? That Chazal is the last statement I just asked. The Matona. That Shabbos is a Matona, and the version refers only to Shabbos as a Matona, basically not to anything else. And it's in his storehouse, treasure in his storehouse. What do Chazal mean? And the questions I ask are very valid. I maintain that in that statement, in that Chazal, okay, is contained the secret the true secret of Shabbos. And that's what I want to explore. And with that secret, you will understand the true premise of Shabbos. So that in less than two days, when Shabbos comes, you're going to know exactly what's about to come and hopefully how to appreciate it and observe it. However, as with most things, everything needs an introduction, Right? Because uh, Shabbos itself, you need to know certain fundamental ideas in order to understand Shabbos. It's like every symphony has an overture, right? It warms you up, right? It warms the seat. It does a lot of things, right? We need an overture. What is that? Okay. So the first thing we have to know is something about what the tafkid or the tachlitz of creation is. What the Rosham did is he admits, and each idea really can be elaborated on, what the Rosham does is he emits ten forces. They're called spheres in Kabbalah. They're basically spiritual forces of which we have no comprehension what they are. That's the first thing. The second thing about these forces is that they are so incredible that they can create realities. They can create an entire metzius. And they do. These ten forces create five realities. In Kabbalah they're known as um, well, there's Ak, Olam Kadman, which is Olam Habo, they create Olam Habo first, and then they create four lower worlds, and these four lower worlds are fundamentally Olam Hazer. In Kabbalah, they're called Atsilus, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. I mention them specifically by name because they play an important understanding of what Shabbos is. But these five Olamas are created by these ten spheres, and each one is a different reality. That's an important concept to know. How does the spheres do that? Because what they do is they give forth what's called a ha'ora. A ha'ora is an incredible force. It's called an or, a light or a shefa, and so on. And that force is so potent that it will create an entire reality. But what happens is, is that the force that the spheres emit diminish. They diminish. And as a result of that, the realities that they create is inferior to the one above it, and so on. So they create five realities because the spheres, the ore of the spheres diminishes. And finally they create what's called this world, Asiya, specifically this universe which is called the Oilam Ashofel, that is the physical universe. So really what's behind all reality are those spheres. Okay? Now, the question is, of course, um, when they do create that, what the, what's the difference between all the realities? What's the difference? 
The answer is the, the amount of revelation of the presence of the Shekhinah. That's all. Each reality has a different amount of giloi, revelation of the divine presence. Oilam Habo has the greatest amount of presence that is revealed that can ever be. Then the rest of the Oilamas or the rest of the realities have less perception of the divine Shekhinah. And that's really all, that's how they basically differ. They differ in the amount of perception of the Shekhinah itself. And therefore, that's how these realities differ. What does the Rabbani Shem want? Why did he create this diminishing <coughs> states of reality? And the answer is very interesting. What the Rabbani Shem wants is a person, and now I'm talking about the Jews, that he should reverse the process of diminishment of his spheres. What does that mean? What he wants is that we ha he's going to give us a certain mechanism. And what that mechanism will do, if we do it, is it will bring, bring down much more of the spheres, the ore, thereby retransforming each oilum back into its former, back into its former, all the way up to oilum haba. You see, that's called zikuch. The Ramchal refers to this as zikuch, which means to purify, which means to remove the geshem, the materialism, from the universe, from the world. So what happens is a person does the instrumentality, which is called, in this case, the instrument is called mitzvahs, basically. When the Jews do mitzvahs, what they do is they retransform this world, which is Oilam HaGeshem, into Oilam Yetzirah, which is a Ruchni Stigi universe. Yeah, it actually exactly happens. And then Yetzirah goes into Bria, it retransformed into Atzilas, and then the whole Oilam Hazar disappears, and the whole thing becomes Oilam Habo. You see? So it is the Jews that have to retransform the realities back into its original reality. That's the job of the Jew. So if, if somebody asks you, what is the job of a Jew? The answer is not to do mitzvahs. The job of the Jew is to be mezakech to bria, to retransform a physical world into a spiritual world. We do that, of course, through the, what's called through the mitzvahs. That's how we do it. But the real job is zikuch. <coughs> this is a job. So what we realize, therefore, is that Oilam Habo isn't another place. You know, somebody asks, where's Oilam Habo? No, it's not another place. Oilam Habo is here. Oilam Habo isn't another place. It's another state. It's another state of being. Oilam Habo is really this world retransformed where you take away all the physical materiality and you have what's left Oilam Habo. That's what it is, you see? So we really are in Oilam Habo in that sense. The problem is, of course, is that it's been contaminated, right, with materialism, with Geshem. That's the problem. So what the Bonshom wants is to retransform, and this is called the concept of Zikuch. Now, what's important to remember, as I said, is that at each level of Zikuch, the world is retransformed. And there are basically three truths that we need to ascertain. The first truth is that the Rabbanishim is a yichud han hagosoy, that every single thing that happens is only because of the Rabbanishim. He is the absolute, total director of everything. Nothing happens without his permission or his actual involvement. But even when it looks like evil happens, right, it's because he gives permission for the evil to happen. 
for whatever purpose. So that's called Yikra Hanagosoi, right? That's the oneness of his Hanhoga, his ability to direct creation. It's total. Above that is called Yichud Shlitosoi, that the Bonshim is the only cause. There is no other cause. We think we're a cause. But that's a tremendous mistake, you see. This Koich of is an unbelievable illusion that we are under, that we are supposed to break free of. So that's the second Hasoka, is Yichud Shlitosoi, that the Bonshim is a Shuleit on everything. He's the only cause. You see, the third hasaka is Yichud Metziusoi. The fact that the Rabban Shem is the only thing that exists. There is nothing else. Period. That's called Yichud Metziusoi. That's something which is very difficult to understand. And that is summed up by a three words called Ein Oid Milvadoi. Notice it, said, it doesn't say Ein Oid Kamoihu. There's nobody like God. Ein Oid Milvadoi. There's nobody besides God even after the Bria. And of course, there's a great deal to speak about that, but fundamentally, Enoid Movadoi is the greatest Hasoga a person can reach, and that Hasoga is fundamentally understood, comprehended, in Oilam Habo. So, we have these three different Hasogas, which ultimately is the purpose that the Vansham wants, and they come about in different Kufas, in different stages. Now, let's take a look. What are the phases? Well, historians look at different types of events. You know, economic reasons, military reasons, geographical reasons, scientific reasons, cultural reasons. The only thing that a Jew looks at, really, if you really want to understand what's going on today or what has gone on, is called the tikkun. It's phases of tikkun. Tikkun means rectification. Okay, it means repair or correction. And I told you what that is. What the Vanshan wants is to rectify a physical universe and change it back into a spiritual. That's called tikkun. And there are different tikkufas of tikkun. The first tikkufa of tikkun was Odom Rishon before the sin. <coughs> he had six hours, basically, not to sin. Had he not sinned, then, the, then he would never have fallen, fallen. And we would, of course, we would have been born, but in an incredibly corrected state, as the Ramchal says. So the first tikkun attempt was Odom Harishim. And that was supposed to last only until Erev Shabbos. Had he lasted until Erev Shabbos, then the world would have had its tikkun. Odom Harishim would have been the Mashiach bin David. And the world would have been Oilam Haba, would have started shortly after. However, he failed. So phase one is the phase of Odom Harishim before the Chet. Phase two, well, if Odom failed, then the Vashem gave over the tikkun devices, the ability to do tikkun, for 2,000 years to all mankind. So now all mankind has the ability to do tikkun. That's right. There's no such thing as a Jew. Because in the beginning, the Rosh never, the Rambam says this, the Rosh never intended <coughs> tikkun should be from the Jews. Why? Why are you creating mankind? What he wanted is that all mankind should do the tikkun. However, so that's the second tikkun phase, where all mankind are involved. But mankind, of course, didn't do it. You had Noyak, the marble, then you had the Doha flog up. So what the Moshim did is he said, enough is enough. I gave you guys 2,000 years. I'm now taking away the ability of the nations to do tikkun, and I'm going to give it to Avram Avinu, and the nation of Avram Avinu, which are called Hebrews, that's really what we're called, they will do the tikkun. So that's the third phase of tikkun, is where what? Is where Avram Avinu and his descendants, we do the tikkun. 
If a guy wants to do the tikkun, then he has to become Jewish, and then he can do the tikkun, which is to the mitzvahs. But if he doesn't, then he remains without doing tikkun, although he can still get a little haba if he does a sheva mitzvah. In any case, uh, therefore the job of tikkun has now become a Jewish enterprise. Right? It's a Jewish enterprise. Jews can now do the tikkun to Bnei Avram Avinu. This is what it's all about. So that's the third phase. And how long is that phase? That phase is 4,000 years. Avram Avinu was 4,000 years ago approximately, right? So we've been doing the tikkun for 4,000 years. We're approaching the end, which is a whole different subject matter. And that's why what is happening today is because we're almost at the end of the tikkun process. Okay. And then what we have is called the termination phase. What is the termination phase? The termination phase is the last phase of Oilam Hazer. <coughs> it's the end. It's like a play. You know, a play has three, three acts. Act one, act two, act three, which they try to develop the plot. But the last act, act three, has two scenes. And the last scene is really what? Really completes the play. It brings all the characters and the plot together in the end, and there it is. That last scene, act, scene two or scene three, of act three, okay, is what's called the termination of the play. It's called the climax. Well, guess what? We also have a climax. There is what's called a termination phase that actually is the beginning of the end. That termination phase has three sub-phases. The first one is called Iklis of the Mashiach, the footsteps of the Mashiach. The second phase is called Aschalt de Geula, the beginning of redemption. And the third phase is called Yemoysa Mashiach, which is the Messianic era. Three phases. And I can just tell you, if you want to know when it started, uh, termination phase apparently started in 1840, without going into why. And we are... We are almost at the end of the Ikvis of the Mashiach, without defining that, and we are almost at Aschalta de Gula. That's right, we're, we're almost there. And the Aschalta de Gula means that the Mashiach is here, although he's not revealed that he's Mashiach. He's like Moshe Rabbeinu before, before he was 80 years old. But he was Mashiach. He wasn't revealed until the Sneh. So the Aschalta de Gula is when the Mashiach is born and is around, but yet. He doesn't know that, uh, that he's Mashiach, Aschat de Gula, is the beginning of his awareness, whatever. Any case, so those are the three sub-phases of the termination phase. Now, that means the world ends in the year 6,000. The Gemara says, that the world will last 6,000 years. 6,000 years is the English year 2240. That's it, 2240, isn't that amazing? That means we only have how many years left? 225 years, 224 years. In other words, the Mashiach has to have come before and ended his reign in the year 6000, which is 2240. So what happens after 6000 years? And the answer is, it's called a Chat Chorof, that it, the world becomes desolate for 1000 years. That's called the Elif Hashvi, the 7000th year. Okay? And that year is the equivalent to Olam Yitzira. That's really what it is. That means in the 7,000th year, this physical world will have a zikoch, and it will become a higher spiritual world called Oim Yitzirah. You see. After 1,000 years, 6 to 7, from 7 to 8 is the beginning of Ulam Habo, 
It's the 8,000th year, and the transformation takes 2,000 years from eight, from seven to eight, eight to nine. And Oilam Habo, really Oilam Habo, begins in the nine, or rather the 10,000th year, which is 9,001. Amchal says this in the Derechulas. In any case, each, each uh, Tkufa can be characterized by some essential feature, which I'm not going to go into, but this basically is the entire, the entire uh, uh, program. I mean, that's really all it is, right? Starts from Adam, right? Actually, started before Adam, but Adam was the beginning of it, right? And goes through Adam, 2,000 years of the Umus Oilam, Avram Avinu and the Jews, then it goes to the Messianic uh, termination phase, and then goes from 6 to 7, 7 to 8, 8 to 9, and 9,000 begins Oilam Habor. So the reason why you have 3,000 years is because Oilam Hazar, or rather, this world has to become Oilam Yitzira. And that's retransformed to Oilam Bria. You see? It goes up. And then Oilam Bria is transformed to Atsilus. And all of these are Oilam Hazer. And then Atsilus is transformed to Oilam Habor. It's a whole different, it's an entirely different existence. There you are. Those are the phases of Tikkun, which will happen uh, as a result of the entire Tikkun of the Jews. Now, what does all this have to do with Shabbos? You needed this introduction to understand Shabbos. The missing Chazal, or the hidden Chazal, is the Chazal of Matano. That is the Chazal, that alludes to the secret. Chazal say, Shabbos is a Matono. They mean Shabbos is a Matono. Everything else is a mitzvah. Now, unless you say, wait a minute, you tell me Shabbos is not a mitzvah? Of course it's a mitzvah. But it's a different kind of mitzvah. What does that mean? What does a matona mean? A matona is a gift. Correct? It's a gift. What does a gift mean? It means you didn't deserve any of it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's a gift from the giver to the receiver. That's all. Right? I give you because I want to give you. You have absolutely no claim and no justification for even receiving the gift other than the fact that I want to do it. That's a gift. Okay? So what Chazal tells us is an incredible thing. Imagine you go to work. Yes? Normally, let's say you work two weeks, right? Then after two weeks, you get your paycheck. Hopefully, that's what happens, right? You get your paycheck after two weeks, right? So the avoider is for two weeks, and the schar, which is the reward for your effort of two weeks, right, that is given to you after, right? But what the Roshim said, you know, I don't want to do this. Because if that's the, f- the, the fact, then the problem is that all the Jews will be what? They'll be involved in the avoider, and they won't have any inkling of oilam haba. I don't want to do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something which is unheard of. It's like your boss goes over to you and says, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a check that's worth one year of your avoider, your job. A year. Before you even start the job. And then, of course, you do the job. But I'm going to give you a reward before you even expend the effort. Incredible. Therefore, you are getting schar before any job. Therefore, what is it called? It's called a matana. Because there's no reason in the world why you should be getting this. You didn't do a thing. So what the Rosham does, he gives a matana. He says, I'm going to give you a habo now, not later. 
I'm going to give you the ability to experience Ilm Habba now. Even before you do the job. Therefore, Shabbos is a call to Matana. Because really, it doesn't make any sense. Why should we experience Shabbos if we never did any job? There's no tikkun, right? That's what the Rosham does. Now, we have to understand, what does that mean? What does it mean that he's going to give you a matana? Okay. What he means is this. The avoid that takes place for 6,000 years. We know that, right? Even though the Yemoysa Mashiach is not really the Avoida, but we're not getting into that. You know what I'm going to do, the Bansham says? I'm going to give you the ability to experience me, the Shekhinah, as it would appear to you in the 7,000th year. You remember what I said about the 7,000th year? I said, Oilem Haz is only till 6,000 years. That's all. And the Yemoysa Mashiach is a period of time at the end of the 6,000, right? But after 6,000 years, after the English year of 2240, what do we have, right? We have the beginning, of, we have Oilem Yitzira, which is a metaphysical, it's a spiritual plane. Malachamar on Oilem Yitzira, you see. It's not Geshem anymore. It's really spiritual. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to allow you to experience the intermediary between Oilem Hazeh and Oilem Habo. And that is the 7,000th year, which is the El of Hashvi. That's what the Rosham does. When are you going to experience this? On the seventh day of the week, which corresponds to the 7,000th year. Therefore, what we... 6,001, which is the 7,000th year. 7th millennium. 7th millennium, 7,000th year. Okay? This is what the Bansham does. It's incredible. Therefore, that's what Chazal allude to when they say that it's a matona, that he is going to allow us to experience in some fashion the divine presence, how it would feel in the El of Hashvi. What does it feel like? Because the unique feature or the environment of the 7,000th year it's where it says, the Posek, And only God will be exalted on that day. What does that mean? It means this. It means in the Moisa Mashiach, in the Messianic era, okay, what happens? Then you, we recognize, wow, could you imagine Moshe Rabbeinu, all the Tanoim, the Amaroim, it's unbelievable. They're all going to get up from the dead, right? And they will have majesty. Right? All the Jews will have incredible majesty. And you see, you're going to see the tzaddikim. But what it's interesting is that even, even though you'll have the tzaddikim, but you'll still appreciate who they were. You will experience their greatness. In the 7,000th year, it's over. It's only God. Everybody else is just a person that was a contributor. That's all. Then in a certain sense, there is no more greatness of people except in and of themselves. But the one Vashem Nizkov Levadei Bayomohu means that on that day, only God will be exalted. Everybody else is now reduced to being a Masakin. Even Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all. All men now become equal, so to speak, in the fact that they all contributed to the Tikkun. Great. So in and of themselves, they're incredible. And that doesn't mean, of course, that you're not going to want a Kvetl from some Rebbe or some Frashiva. No, don't get me wrong, right? But what it does mean is the preeminent figure in the 7,000th year, which is the 7th millennium, is the Rabbanu Shalom. 
That's what the Bosh wants to do. He's not going to give us the experience of what we would feel in the 8th, 9th, and then 10th, because that's a different reality. However, in the Elafashvi, we can experience that reality. So you can say, wait a minute, who experienced that reality before? And the answer is, Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu went up, where did he go? We know that he didn't drink, drink and eat, right? He didn't eat anything, he didn't drink, drink anything. So can you tell me where he was, right? And the answer is, he was the, the, the equivalent of the Elif HaShvi, in Oil Mitzira. In that world, the body, even though you have a body, right? But the body does not in any way exert anything. There are no drives, no urges, no conflicts. There is nothing in that world that the body in any way can influence. In fact, in that world, the Ramchal says that the Neshama and the body are equal in stature. No longer is the Neshama concealed in a body. No. In that world, the body will be there, but it will be inert. And the Neshama will be there completely revealed, you see. And except neither will dominate. That's the intermediary between Olam Hazer and Olam Habo. So that's the Elif Hashvi. So that's the world that Moshe Rabbeinu went to. Therefore, I didn't eat anything, I didn't drink anything, because that's the world that is inert, you see. But he went into the Elif Hashvi, you see. But he couldn't go beyond that. But he could go into the Elif Hashvi, and that's where he went. Therefore, the or or the Hasoga of the Elif Hashvi can be experienced in this world. That's what we see, you see. So therefore, we now understand a very fundamental idea that the matono is that the Vansham gives us the ability to experience the next world, so to speak, but not Olam Haba, but the next world means the negation of Geshem here before we did the Tikkun. That is why it's matono. Very important concept. What's the difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov? Yom Tov also has an or, and there's a tremendous difference. Shabbos is the experiencing of Olam Habo as the seventh millennium. Yom Tov is not that at all. Yom Tov is the experiencing of different spiritual accomplishments that the Jews do in this world. So first that they have to do the accomplishment, whether it be through the historical event, let's say Pesach by Mitzrayim, or through the halachas of that Yom Tov, whatever, as a result of what they did, they now experience a certain shefa or or that illuminates on that day of Yom Tov. But we don't really experience it. So therefore, whether it be Pesach or Shavuos or whatever, we will experience the or of Yom Tov in the Yemois HaMashiach. You see? But that only comes after we've gone through Pesach or Shavuos and so on. You see? We have to have gone through that. We have to have done the Avoido of the Yom Tov. And then there's a certain or hasaga that comes, and that hasaga will be experienced in Yemois HaMashiach. Therefore, it, it's, not, it's, it's reward because it comes truly after effort. Well, Shabbos has nothing to do with your effort. Shabbos on the seventh day is here, whether you're working, whether you're working mitzvahs or not. It's a matana. Whereas the or of Yom Tif, which will be revealed in the days of Mashiach, can only come after the Jews do the avoid of that particular <coughs> And each Yom Tov has its own particular Avodah, you see, without getting into that, and so on. You see the difference between Yom Tov and Shabbos. Therefore, Shabbos is a day of the week. 
because the seventh day corresponds to the 7,000th year. <coughs> That's the time of what? Olim Yitzira. Whereas Yom Tif is a date because the 12 months of the calendar are really what? Are the 12 Shvatim, and each Shevet sound is really represents one form of Avodah. So therefore, a date in a calendar month indicates an Avodah, whereas a day in a week indicates a Matana or, or, or Schar of Olim Yitzira, or the 7,000th year. It's two different types of experiences, what Yom Tif is and what is Shabbos. In any case, now that we understand that, we can now go back and really answer all the questions that I asked, just by your knowledge now. Let's take a look, and you'll see that everything is answered. Okay, what is the Kiddush of Shabbos? Am I asked that question? And the answer is the Kiddush of Shabbos is a certain or Hasoga is a certain amount of the presence of God that we experience. That's what Kiddusha is. When the Rosham allows us to experience his presence, that's called Kiddusha. The Beis HaMikdash had Kiddusha. Why? Because it was the residence of the Shekhinah, you see. Right? So therefore, the Beis HaMikdash was a Mokim Kodosh. Why? Because you experienced the Shekhinah in the Mokim called the Beis HaMikdash. Right? If that's the case, if that's really what it is, then that's called the Kiddusha. A Kiddusha, a holiness, is nothing more when the Rav allows his presence to be experienced or felt. Therefore, that day or that time is Kaddosh. You see? That's Kiddusha Shabbos. So therefore, the revelation, the revelation of the 7,000th year gives us a certain experiencing of the divine Shekhinah itself. And on the seventh day, we experience it. You see? Now you know what Kedusha is. It is the experiencing of the Shekhinah. And on the seventh day, which is the 7,000th year, we experience that. You see? And therefore, Shabbos is called Shabbos Kodesh because it has a greater experiencing of the divine presence itself. That's Kedusha Shabbos. Why is Shabbos the greatest of all days? Simple. Because what you experience in Shabbos, right, is me'ein o'ilam haba, as you will see. It's akin to o'ilam haba. It's not o'ilam hazeh, basically. Although it's part of o'ilam hazeh, but it is something that's beyond the 6,000 years. And therefore, if you violate Shabbos, what happens? Then you don't believe in o'ilam haba. And if you don't believe in o'ilam haba, guess what? You're dead. Chorus. Midah keneged midah. You don't want to believe in my o'ilam haba, which is what you're experiencing now. Then you don't get Oynim Haba. Well, that certainly means death or curse. Therefore, the Oynish of Shabbos is much <coughs> greater than the Oynish of what? Of Yom Tov. Because the Yom Tov itself is what is a Shefa, an Or. It's a Hasoga that you experience after an Avodah. But all those Hasogs, all those experiences, will be experienced in Yemaisa Mashiach. Well, Yemaisa Mashiach, it's a love. But to deny Shabbos is to deny Oynim Haba. Worse, the different type of denial, you see. In any case, therefore, that is why Shabbos is really the greatest of all days. Kiddush, why do we make Kiddush? Because since Shabbos enters that experience or that awe of Shabbos of the 7,000th millennium enters, right? You need to acknowledge that. That's Kiddush. What is Kiddush? Kiddush is nothing more than an acknowledgement, right? That this Presence is about to enter. 
and I'm about to experience it. Therefore, Kiddush is the acknowledgement. Havdalah is also an acknowledgement that that presence is about to leave. You see? So therefore, Kiddush is the acknowledgement that it enters, and Havdalah is the acknowledgement that it leaves. In both cases, you acknowledge the presence itself is unique on the seventh day, which equals the awe of the Elif Hashvi, the 7,000th year. Okay? Now, that's why we have COVID Shabbos and Oenik Shabbos. If a president, not Obama, but if a president comes to your house, what would you do? Wouldn't you put out the linen, the white linen, and the, all the greatest, the, 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 the linen and the silverware and all that stuff, right? Not only that, you'd put out the best foods. Well, guess what? You're, you're about to experience what? A divine presence which will only be experienced, basically, in the seventh millennium, the 7,000th year. Doesn't that deserve COVID and Oinik? Of course. You see, all of these halachas nothing more, are nothing more than conformities to your agreement that you're about to experience the hasaga of the Rabbani Shalom in Shabbos of the 7,000th year. That's why this covenant is Oinik. And that's why this halachas near. Why is there a light? Because that light is the symbol of the ore of the Elif Hashvi. You see, that's a direct symbol. So therefore, you need to do what's called Hadlokas Ner. You see. Now, we're up to Neshami Yisera. Why does a person have a Neshami Yisera? And whoever heard of a Neshami Yisera? How do we understand this? And you'll now understand that without the Neshami Yisera, you cannot experience Shabbos. Why? Let's take a look. The Neshama of a person has five parts. That's five parts. <coughs> From the bottom up, it's Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, which is an individual part, and also Chaya and Yechida. Five parts. It's like a long chain of one entity called the Neshama. Why does the Neshama have five parts? Because a Jew is connected to the entire Bria. And we know that there are five realities, right? Right? From the bottom, right? There's Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, Atsilas, and Oilam Habo, which is called Oilam Kadmain. Therefore, a Jew's Neshama connects to each Oilam. It's amazing. A Jew's Neshama connects to every different aspect of reality. You have five Neshama, five parts of Neshama, because you have five uh, realities. You see? Now, if that's the case, do you realize what that means? That means I should be able to know everything that's going on in all the alamas because I'm connected there. So why is it I, I, I can only know what's doing, doing in Ilam Hazir, which is this world, and I do not know what's going on in Yitzira, Bria, Atsilas, and certainly not Ilam Abba. Why? Because it's been shut down. It's like you got a video camera, but something is blocking the lens, you see. So therefore, if you want to experience any of the Ilamas, you need to unblock the lens, and you actually can speak and experience that world. In fact, what is Ruach HaKodesh in the Gemara? Rabbi Akiva and the four people that went into paradise. You know what they did? They were able to take off the cap to the Ruach which connects them to Olim Yetzirah, and they were able to look into Olim Yetzirah, right, and speak to the people there. That's what Rishmol did. He was able to speak to one of the Malachim because he knew how to get, he knew how to uncap his Ruach Chelek and he could look into Yitzira 
and actually speak to the malachim. In any case, but as far as we're concerned, it's all shut down. However, if we know, therefore, that the 7,000th year, the order of the 7,000th year, really corresponds to Eilim Yitzirah, then we've got to open up, we've got to take off the cap to Eilim Yitzirah. You see? If you don't take off the cap, because we're connected to Eilim Yitzirah, we're connected to all the worlds. If we don't take off the cap that prevents us being connected to Eilim Yitzirah, you cannot experience the awe of Eilim Yitzirah, which is Shabbos, right? The Elif Well, what is that? That's the Nishami Yitzirah. Notice it doesn't say Nishama Chadosha, a new soul. It says an extra soul because we're already connected to that world. So what they do on Shabbos is they take off the cap and you're actually able to experience Eilim Yitzirah. Is that incredible? That's what it is. So without the Nishami Yisera, which is the uncapping of your Ruach, which is the second part, which is connected to Eilim Yitzira, and that's what you experience in Shabbos, in the 7,000th year, without that Nishami Yisera, you cannot experience that Matana. That's what Nishami Yisera is. You see? So you're going to ask me, wait a minute, do I really experience this on Shabbos? And the answer is you do. But you're not aware of it. Well, I should say you are aware of it, but you don't know that this is part of the experience. What does that mean? You know, the Gemara says that Doniel and the three Nevi'im, Kananya, Mishon, and Azariah, they all saw the Malach. Well, I should say they experienced the Malach. But Doniel, this isn't safe for Doniel, he was able, the Gemara says this, he was able to see the Malach and also experience it. But the other three could not see but they could experience the presence and therefore they trembled. They didn't know why they trembled. But that trembling was because they were able to experience the malachim, the malach, without seeing it. That's called a chatzi nevuah, half of a prophecy. Doniel was a full prophet at that point, so he could see the malach as well as experience the malach. Those nevi'im can only experience it and they trembled feel it, but they couldn't see it. That's called a half of prophecy. Guess what? In Shabbos, where you experience through the Neshama Yisera, which is really your Neshama, the second part called Ruach, that is connected to Olam Yitzira, you experience that, but you cannot see. You are like those three Nevi'im. It's only half a Nevi'im. You ever notice when Shabbos enters that you feel differently? Anybody notice that? Shabbos, you feel differently than a weekday. There's something that happens. When Shabbos enters, you can actually feel something. You can't put your, you can't put your, you can't define it, but there is a difference between what you feel in Shabbos than what you feel during the week. What is that feeling? That feeling is chatzinavur, half of prophecy of Olim Yitzira. You see? That's what it is. It's not some, you know, it's not some uh, uh, mystical thing. No, it's the Elif Hashvi being experienced by you, but only feeling it. And even then, it's a minute amount. You see? That's what it is. There's no magic here. That's why you need a Neshama Yisera. Without that Neshama Yisera, you can't access through your Ruach, right, which is the Neshama Yisera, you cannot access the Oilem Yisera, which is the Oilam that we will experience in the 7,000th year, you can't even access it, you see. 
So therefore, when the seventh day comes, you can access that awe in through feeling only. But that's what it is. It is a feeling that you get. And it's interesting also that even on Yom Tov, you can experience some aspect of the awe. Although it's not the Elif Shvi, But it is a certain Kiddusha because of the, the avoided that they did. For instance, in Pesach, the Jews did a certain avoided without getting into the whole thing. Anyway, what is it? We moved the Zoyama without getting into that. So therefore, since Pesach occurred thousands of years ago, we can actually experience something of Pesach now because that's the schar of what they did then. But that's not a feeling that you get of Olim Habo or Olim Etzira. It is a feeling that you get from the, uh, from the Pesach or, which And the real feeling you get is, of course, Nimei Samashiach. Everybody get that? It's a very important concept. You know, everybody throws around, well, Olim Yitzira, uh, excuse me, Neshama Yaseira, Neshama Yaseira. Does anybody understand what's going on here? Not really. It's the only mechanism that you need, that you need, with, if not, you do not access the Olim Yitzira, and therefore you cannot be a half a prophet. You see? That's what it really is. So in many ways, we all achieve what's called partial prophecy on Shabbos. You see? Because that's really what a prophet is. What is a Novi? All kinds of definitions. But what a Novi really was, he was able to access worlds above him. Yet zero. And the real Nevi'im, they were able to look into Bria. And Moshe Rabbeinu and, Moshe Rabbeinu and some of the higher Nevi'im can look right into Atzilis. They can look into it. That's a Novi. Where you can transcend this world and go up. But it's an entire course on how to do that. And there were yeshivas for this. But basically, now we understand what the, the concept of, uh, of the Neshami uh, Yaseirah really is. Why is Shabbos Me'enu Ilim Habo? Now you know. Because it's the only awe that you experience that's part of the 7,000 world, 7,000 here. That's a me, it's a Me'enu Ilim Habo. Oilam Habo really begins in the year 9001. Then it takes 2,000 years from 7 to 8, 8 to 9 to prepare, right? But, but the Elif Shvi, 7,000 here, the 7th millennium, right, which is after the Mashiach and so on, right? That's a Me'en Oilam Habo because it's neither a physical universe and it's neither Oilam Habo. It's smack in the middle. That's why Shabbos is called Me'en Oilam Habo. You see? Oh, you see how simple everything is. Now, what about the Lama Tes Malachas? Why do we have 39 categories of malacha? It's a very important idea. How many mishkans do we really have? Everybody would tell me three. Correct? Three. Mishkan, Baisvishan, I should say four. Mishkan, Bayes Rishon, Bayes Sheni, and there's going to be a Bayes Shlishi. But did you know that there's a fifth? And you know many people here have been to the fifth, but you don't recognize it as such. And the idea is a Mishkan is nothing more than the residence of God. Because the Bershom wants to put his presence in this world. That's why it's called Mishkan, Shoychein, that the Bershom resides here. So the first residence of God, or the Bershom, is Mishkan. The second residence is first base of Mikdash. Second residence is second base of Mikdash. That's the third riff, right? Yeah. Fourth is 
Beis HaMikdash Shlishi. But wait a minute, there's one more. But it's interesting, nobody recognizes this as a Mishkan. But it really is. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's a Kaisel. You notice it says that the Shekhinah will never leave the Kaisel Maravi. Why? Because the Bosham does not want to leave this world. You see, so therefore, first he was in the Mishkan, after that was destroyed, or whatever. It was the Bayes Rishon, the Bayes Sheni, and then it was the Kaisel. The Kaisel is nothing more than the residence of God in the Golas. But since it's the residence of God, it's really a Beis HaMikdash. Except the, the, the amount of presence is so diluted that there's no Korbanus and so on. But that's really what it is. The Kaisel is the most, the smallest amount of divine presence that can remain, that will not leave. But since it is the residence of divine presence, it's a Mishkan. It's a Beis HaMikdash. You see? But it's not recognized as such, which is interesting. In any case, what is the Mishkan? The, the Roshim created two replicas, two models of the entire creation. One is an Adam, the Gufa Adam. Man's body is an exact copy replica or model of the totality of creation. There's a second replica or model, and that is the, Be- the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash is an exact replica of the Bria. In fact, the Malbim, in the beginning of Truma, actually points out the, the, what's called the uh, parallels, you see, uh, of the Mishkan at that time and the, and the, and the Kabbalistic spheres and so on. But there are two replicas. One is the Mishkan, one is the Odom, and the second is the Mishkan. Now, we know if the Mishkan is a replica of the Bria, therefore it means a replica in every way. Not only is it a replica of the Bria, but every act that God used to create the universe, everything creation, he, that's the exact same acts he did to create the Mishkan. That's right. So Lamatech's Malachas are really the exact acts that God used to create the entire creation, he used it to create the Mishkan, which is a replica. So therefore, the Lama Tesmalachas is nothing more than the exact categories that the Bosham used to create the entire Bria. That's the secret of the Lama Tesmalachas. Therefore, if that's the case, that's the Lama Tesmalachas in creative. So what the Bosham says, listen, you want to experience me as I will reveal myself in the 7,000th year? Then I'll tell you what. You need, to be a, you, may, you need to make yourself a keli or a vessel in order to receive this hashpah, this shefa. Shabbos is the vessel. Why? Because what is the ha'ora? What is the presence of God? Or what do we know about the Rabban Shalom in the 7,000th year? You remember? Yichet Tosoi, that there is no cause. That's the gilo in the 7,000th year. That we are not a cause in any which way. He does everything. That is the essential giloi in the 7,000th year. So Bansham says, you want to experience that giloi of the 7,000th year where you will realize I am the absolute cause, as the Ramchal says, Ein koyach acher, then you need to desist from all creative acts that I did in building creation. You need to desist from those acts on Shabbos, the seventh day, just like I desisted on Shabbos. And if that's the case, with that recognition, you will then experience my awe, which is the gilu of Yichit Shlitosai. You see? It's a midah connected midah. That's what it is. In other words, 
if you, ex if you cease labor on the seventh day, what labor? The labor that was used in construction of the Mishkan. And that is the exact labor that I used to create the Bria. If you cease that, that means you will be admitting that you are a cause of nothing. Because you ceased working. Because what you're really saying is, um, I cause nothing. Right? And therefore, I will cease to do all those creative activities that you did to create the Bria. That's the case. Then me, the connected me, the, I will allow you to experience me, the divine presence, as I will be in the 7,000th year. And the major giloi is Yichachlitosai, that we are zero as a cause. He is the only cause. You see? It's Mamisha, me, the connected me, so by doing that, we actually make ourselves a keli to be makabal, the ore, the light of the 7,000th year. See how it works? Beautiful. It's a zelumazeh. So of course Shabbos is a mitzvah. But really it's a mitzvah to be makabal, to make yourself a keli. Whereas everything else is a mitzvah as an avoidah. Shabbos is a mitzvah as a keli to be makabal that ore. Look at the difference between the two. Because remember, Shabbos is a matona. You don't have to do anything. You just have to say, here I am. Give it to me. How? Because you have to do a behavior which conforms exactly to what you will realize in the 7,000th year. Look at the difference. Of course, they're both mitzvahs. But one is a mitzvah in terms of you have to be oivet and you get the schar. In Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to make yourself into a keli, to be able to be makabal, that all that the Bansha will reveal in the 7,000th year. That's a midah connected midah. Tremendous difference between the two. In fact, the fundamental principle of Shabbos, and it's really the fundamental principle of every mitzvah, and I will give it to you in a fancy English, behavioral conformity to an assumed reality creates that reality. It means if you, if you behaviorally conform, if you behave in a certain way that assumes a certain reality, whether it exists or not, your behavior conformity toward that assumed reality will create that reality. So if you behaviorally conform on the seventh day, that you are not a cause, because you don't do the Lama Tes Melochas, it's because you're assuming that now is a 7,000 year Giloi, guess what? You're going to experience that Giloi now in the seventh day. You see? That's the principle that every mitzvah in Kolotara Kula. We behaviorally conform to a certain reality, and that conformity creates the reality we've assumed. In Shabbos, it allows the Elifah Shri, the awe of the 7,000th year, to actually hit you and you experience it because you've made yourself into a keli itself, you see. That is the statement, if you want to really sum it up in a principle. I'll say it again. Behavioral conformity toward an assumed reality creates that reality. That's the power of a mitzvah. Next. Therefore, we now understand why it's a matana. Because it has nothing to do with your avoidu, really. Your avoidu, the mitzvah, is just to make yourself a keli. That's all. It's not the avoidu that does it. It's the fact that you're a keli. The all comes as a result of the matana, not because you are oivei. By yontif, it's the all comes as a result of the fact that you worked. And all the all will be received in your mitzvah In Shabbos, that's not the point. The point is just make yourself a vessel that can contain, and that's all you need to do, and bam, you experience Shabbos as a seventh day happens. And the greater is your conformity, the greater will be your hergesh, 
of Shabbos. That's the way it works. And therefore, if you don't do the Lama if you do the Lama Tesmanachas, if you don't do anything on Shabbos, guess what? You will experience nothing. Because that's the deal. The deal is you have to be a keli. I shouldn't say nothing, because every yid is a pintle yid, but it certainly is not the same as somebody who makes himself into a keli. You see? That's what it is. And we now understand why it's the day of the week. Because Shabbos, the seventh day, corresponds to the 7,000th year. And by the way, six days correspond to 6,000 years. That's the whole concept of the, uh, of the concept of a week. So therefore, it's the seventh day of the week, which corresponds to the Elifashvi, and that's why Shabbos is a day. Whereas Yom Tov corresponds to the Avoidah, and the months of the year correspond to the 12 Avoidahs of the 12 Shvatim, because each Shevet have a different Avoidah. So each month, that's why we have Rosh Chodesh. That's why every Rosh Chodesh is a Yom Kippur cotton. Because we do tshuva on what? On the fact that we didn't do the Avodah, and now we're about to enter the month of the Avodah, and now we enter into a clean slate. That's why there is a Yom Kippur cotton. You ever wonder why the Yom Kippur cotton? The Rosh Hashanah, that's the end of it. Because since each month is a new Avodah based on the Avodah of that Shevet, and the secret of that Avodah is what the secret of the Shevet was. Therefore, you have to have a Yom Kippur before that, new slate. And then you can enter that Avoida. You see? That's the logic of Yom Kippur Cotton. In any case, but that's why Shabbos is a day, and that's why the Yom Tov is a date. Uh, and we now understand also, what, which I had mentioned, the whole concept of uh, why Misa, because when you deny Shabbos, you deny Ulim Habo, or Me'ino Ulim Habo, and that's basically Misa. <coughs> that's really what it is, and so on. And that's why Oichel Nefesh. Because the awe of Yom Tov, finally, after the avoid of all the Yom Tovim that the Jews went through, they experienced this when? They experienced Yom Tov Mashiach. Hey, but wait a minute, Yom Tov Mashiach, we're all regular people. We still eat, don't we? So therefore, you're allowed to have Yom Nefesh. Because the whole awe is when you are experiencing, when you are physical and you're eating. You don't stop eating in Yom Tov Mashiach, right? They're still going to serve that delicious kind of stuff over there, right? So therefore... The or itself means, because one of the revelations in Yemaisa Mashiach is what is also Yechut Shlitosoy, not as great as the 7,000th year. So therefore, you still have to abstain from the Lama Tesman Lachas. However, since we're going, to be, we're going to be experiencing this or, right, at the time of Mashiach, we're still physical, we eat, therefore the Malachas of Eichel Nefesh are still apropos. Whereas in Shabbos, which there is no Achila, remember Moshe Rabbeinu, he didn't eat or drink because at that point in time, the neshama has, ab- the, I should say, the goof has absolutely no urges whatsoever. So therefore, there's no oichel nefesh. It's a complete understanding of yichud shlitosay. What have I done? I have answered 15 questions, <coughs> right? All with one concept. The concept of what is Shabbos. Shabbos, as we now see, is not dependent on the avodah in and of itself. The avoid is nothing more than a wherewithal to do what? To become a keli. To receive that incredible feeling you get when the seventh day arrives, when Shabbos arrives, you see. And that or is what? Is a matana. Because we didn't finish the tikkun. The tikkun is still going on. So what are we getting oilam habo for? Or why are we getting main oilam habo? And the answer is because it's fundamentally a matana. And that is an incredible thing. One can wonder why. Why he do it? Why did Hashem do it? He didn't have to. He could have said, listen, you know, Shabbos, right? You have Shabbos, right? 
or you know, when you finish the job, that's when I'll give you the seven thousand year. I think it is because what the Bansham always does, since the Bansham is an Avinu Malkeno, you know, you ever see a kid, you ever see a, uh, a kid walk over to his father and says, come on, ta, let me have the toy you got for me, right? But the father doesn't want to give it to the kid because then the kid will never work for it. He'll take it for granted, right? So the father says, okay, I'll let you look at it. I'll let you look at it, you know. Maybe that's worse than giving to him, whatever, you know. But, but, but I'll let you look at it. So, because you're a father, you feel bad for the kid. You really want to give it to the kid. Except for the kid's own good, you want him to work for it. So therefore, the Bansham probably, although I'm sure there are many, many other reasons, you know, what he did was a murdigzach. He allowed us to experience ruchnius of a world that we have no idea what it's about, which is Oilem Yitzira. And he will even uncap the, the nishama of the Ruach in order for us to get it. You know what that is to uncap without any work on our part? An aspect of our nishama so we can experience what he looks like in Oilem Yitzira? Unbelievable. You see? And that's what we experience really on Shabbos. Therefore, when you enter Shabbos, you now know you're about to feel something which is otherworldly. It's called metaphysical, right? It's something that we will really only experience fully Right after 6,000 years has ended, after the Mashiach has ended, we will experience that. But it's an incredible gift that he gave us, the ability to experience Ruchnius, even though we're still stuck in this world and we're doing the mitzvahs and so on and so forth. So we have to appreciate the great Matana of Shabbos. And that's why the Rabban Shem considered it as an unbelievable Matana. Because it's not just, you know, people think, well, you know why it's a great day? Because it's a vacation. Right? So it's a day of rest. It's astounding what people think Shabbos is. And they're right, basically. It is a day of menucho, shvus. It's a day of rest, you know. But do we thank the Bansham because it's vacation day? No. Because it allows us to experience a ruchnius that we can never experience until the end of time. And that's the greatness of Shabbos. That's why it's the greatest of all Yom Toibin. It is the greatest ha'ora known to man, you see. And in the old days, in order to experience Shabbos, guess what? You had to be a Novi to get into Oli Mitzira, like Rabbi Akiva, like the four that entered Proud Days. They entered Oli Mitzira, but they did it Kabbalistically. They did it through the whole concept of Nevoah. We, however, can do what they did in a mini way, right, which is the Hergish, without being a Novi. And that is the great Matona that the Bansham gave us. So, I hope you now understand uh, what all these questions are and how they're all answered just by understanding the fundamental feature of Shabbos, of what it really is, and why it is so great. Thank you. Oh, uh, uh, oh yes, thank you. Uh, first of all, the discourse of the Shia for be Shlema of Yosef ben Ita. Also, I give a Shia in Lakewood uh, every Mitzvah uh, Shabbos. I'm starting this weekend. Uh, it's 10.15, for Shabbos is late. It's about Rabbi Gelbwax's shul, which is on the corner of 7th Street and, um, and Brook. Ridge. And Ridge and Brook, whatever. Uh, Ridge. Ridge. Ridge and Brook. It's across here from the cemetery. I have to use that. I hate to use that. Simon. But uh, uh, at 1015, and it's on Ramchal. Uh, I'm giving Shem Derech Hashem Be'iyun. And I use that as a platform to go all over the place. And uh, this Shabbos, I'm going to speak, I think, about uh, 21st century. What's happening today in politics? And what do I think the Russian wants to do in the next 15 years? Thank you. Anybody want to join?
uh, for those people who either miss this or want to see this or a lot of stuff, I have a website. It's called TorahThinking.com. And on that website is two things. It's all the Hashkofa. It's about 65, 70 Shurim in Hashkofa. Uh, number one of the Ramchal, of the Shurim that I've given Lakewood. And also has the methodology of the Ramchal, how to significantly improve your ability to learn. That's about also 50 Shurim. So what you can do if you don't want to have the internet, you can go to a place that has the internet, you can download the whole thing into a flash drive, and all you need is a little computer, and you can watch it without ever going onto the internet. Thank you. <laughs>